You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. After having a brief week off, we are back. Guys, I welcome in uh, Mike Farrell, the Godfather, and, and Gorney, Adam Gorney on the West Coast. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about having that week off. We had uh, the Royal week, uh, Wedding over the weekend. I know Gorney wants to break that down. Uh, I did watch it. We're, okay, good. We're going to hear uh, whether Mike Farrell is, hears Yanni or Laurel. Uh, so a <laughs> lot to discuss today, but no, we really uh, we'll talk about uh, a couple of, couple of transfers or possible transfers to start us off. So for all, I'll let you jump into that with Hunter Johnson. What's the Yanni Laurel thing? I keep seeing it. Oh, you okay, haven't even... go on. Wait here. Go online and uh, do a YouTube search for La- Yanni or Laurel, and it'll be like a ten second clip, and it'll either say Laurel. Do you hear Laurel here. or Yanni? Here, Mike? I'm, I'm turning it up so you can hear it. Right, I hear. Did you, did you, I hear neither. You didn't hear either. Yeah, I don't hear yeah. Yanni or Laurel. I hear. I mean, closer to Yanni. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, I hear Laurel there. I heard. I hear different things at different times. Wow. So I did a. I have no life, so I went on YouTube and looked it up, and it's all about pitch or something. Like if the pitch is different, you start hearing Yanni, and if you hear, like every, I hear Laurel, that's all I hear really. Wasn't there something about like a color of a dress like a couple years ago? Yeah, it's the yes. same thing. Like like half people see you know see a yellow and black or, or blue or whatever it was, and then half the people on this one hear Yanni and half hear Laurel. This is why I'm perpetually annoyed by everything. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what people deal. do with their time. Yeah, yeah, this is like a hashtag and all this other crap. And I'm like, I don't even know what Yanni and Laurel is. I thought Yanni was a singer. Or was Yanni the... No, Yanni's the tickler, right? No, Yanni's the uh, singer, right? Yeah. Who was the tickler tick- on Howard Stern? That wasn't Laurel. Yanni? That wasn't Laurel. <laughs> I think it was Yanni. I think Yanni was the tickler on Howard Stern. Way, 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 way back. But anyways, that's stupid. Hunter Johnson transferred uh, from Clemson. He announced he's transferring. He's probably going to end up in the Big Ten. Um who was it I saw? Purdue, Northwestern. Northwestern, yeah. And I found it extremely annoying. And I'm trying, you guys can psychologically break me down as to okay. why I find it annoying. But I find it just super annoying that these five-star kids choose schools and within a year and a half or whatever, they just quit. It's just, you know, what's his face? Blake Barnett's on his third school now. He just enrolled at, at South Florida. Yeah. Um, Tua, it came out last week, Tua Tagiloa, Tagivailoa, is that right? No. What is it? <laughs> Not even Tonga Vailoa. Tonga Vailoa said that uh, he was going to contact USC or thought about contacting USC if he didn't play in the title game. I- I'm sick of it. These guys are all told. Every one of them's told. Because Hunter Johnson went in with another you know, highly rated quarterback, Chase Bryce. He went in with a four-star yep. kid. Uh, Tua 
went in following Jalen Hurts, who was a true freshman offensive uh, rookie of the year or player of the year in the SEC. So they're all told by every school, you don't want to go to that school. You might not things might not pan out for you. Blah blah blah. It's too much competition. Why don't you go to a school where you know you'll be the guy? And none of them listen. And then they transfer, and it gets me annoyed. So you guys can break it down. He committed to Tennessee originally. Uh, suffice to say, he would probably be the starting quarterback at Tennessee right now. And Hunter Johnson's a really, really nice kid. Um, yeah. So there's really, I don't know, like it's, 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 and so is Tua. So it's really bad for me to be this angry about stuff. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. Did Justin Fields make that same error? He went to a school that has an established starting quarterback that's not going anywhere. And who's to say that in the 2020 class, Georgia doesn't get a five-star kid? And then Justin Fields is squeezed the same way, right? And then if he transferred, I'll be extremely annoyed as well. <laughs> Mad at him, too? Yeah. Well, I think Hunter Johnson's a little different in the sense that he sees the writing on the wall there. That Trevor Lawrence is the future of that program. And no matter what he does, he's not going to beat out Trevor Lawrence for that job. He's not as good. I get and, it. But that's Trevor a, Lawrence isn't it's gonna... such a quitter's mentality. You know, I get it. He wants to play, and he's going to get an opportunity to play at one of these other schools that are, you know, considered a notch down from Clemson. I get it. But it's such a quitter's mentality. I'm not better than them. I didn't win the job after a year. I'm quitting and going to another school. You're one play away from being the starting quarterback if you're the backup. Now, again, is he third string? That's a problem. You know, Kelly Bryant's the starter. Trevor Lawrence is pushing him, so now he's third string. But still, it's a quitter's mentality saying, I'm never going to be better than Trevor, and I might as well just go someplace else. It just bothers the heck out of me. Where's the dedication? I can see arguments both ways on this. Staying is actually not bad for your NFL future because it gives the NFL teams less things to pick apart, fewer things to pick apart. Um, and if he's good enough, an NFL team will take him. USC has seen this happen time and again. Matt, Matt Castle, Castle was, never, yeah. was never the starting quarterback no. at USC, and he's in the NFL. Well, look at Trubisky. Uh, you know, look at Trubisky, too. Trubisky, Trubisky waited Trubisky his took turn. his time and did that. Right. You know, DJ um, Shockley waited his turn at Georgia now. He didn't have a great pro career or anything like that, but he waited. Um, it's, I think it's the generation, and it, it's just I'm so old. You know, I just want to throw them off my lawn. It just annoys me. I, but, but you know, two of the five quarterbacks that were taken in the first round of the NFL draft were transfers, if you count Josh Allen as a community college transfer. I don't count that. Uh, Baker ri- Mayfield, the number the number one pick. Yep, he was Baker a transfer. Baker Mayfield was, the, was a transfer. That. Yep. Um, Josh you know, Allen transfers. was not though. Josh Allen was not a transfer. It's JUCO okay. transfers aren't transfers. That's crap. Unless okay. unless they um, went from you know like Cam Newton went to Blinn and then went to Auburn. That 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 to me is a transfer because he played at college before. But if you well another if you stink yeah. enough where you're not getting any offers out of high school, you have to go to junior college, and then right. you end up going from junior college to a school. Uh, you're not a transfer. I was thinking about that today. It's like. Okay, of any of these five first-rounders, were any of them transfers? Well, of course, Baker Mayfield was uh, as a walk-on, but that was it. The other four, you know, started at a school and stuck with it. But they also stepped into positions where they started immediately, too. 
true, but Rosen went to a school where they weren't recruiting anybody else who was any good at all. Right. We don't we don't know the situation at Wyoming because we don't care. Um, you know, <laughs> Darnold went into a very competitive USC program, which always had quarterback competitions left and right. Um, and Lamar Jackson wasn't expected, I don't think, to play as a as a true freshman as much as he did, and then he just took the world by storm. So, you know, they earned their spots. Um, I don't know. Listen, we didn't know Trevor Lawrence was coming uh, at the time that Hunter Johnson made his decision, so he couldn't have he couldn't have seen that one. But going in with another four-star quarterback, following and uh, you know a, a guy who's you know Kelly Bryant, who they were high on. Um, I'm sure he was told by many people that that Trevor Lawrence might be going to Clemson or would be interested in Clemson. Just it just whatever. Just, there are examples of of good and bad on every side of this. I don't see it as quitting on the team. I see it as moving on to a better situation. Like JT Daniels will be the starter at USC probably next year. Would Jack Sears be seen as a quitter if he left for a better situation? Yes. No, I think it's a quitter. <laughs> He's not a quitter. 100% I think quitter. Hunter Johnson will be served much better if he goes to play for Jeff Brom at Purdue than if he would hoping Trevor Lawrence leaves in three years. If he would redshirt, would maybe have one year left uh, to resurrect his career. He, sometimes you just got to move on, Mike. Quitter. And I like the kid, but uh, you know, and it's nothing against the kid himself. And Tua, you're a quitter too if you were thinking about transferring because you didn't get into the. I mean, Jalen Hurts was the guy. He he lost what two games in his career. Um, yeah. Now I think what Tua meant was if he didn't get into the championship game because Jalen Hurts was playing so poorly. Like if they went to the second half and they just kept going with Jalen Hurts and he kept throwing the ball into the dirt and. They had no chance of winning that football game. I think that's what he meant. I don't think he meant coming into the title game, if he didn't play, he was going to transfer. But maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to that story because I remember around the time of when Tua got in that game, Lane Kiffin came out and said that pretty much everyone at Alabama knew that Tua was the better quarterback even during the preseason. And, you know, obviously Nick Saban stayed with Jalen Hurts. He was winning. Everything was going along fine. And then... When he needed to make that decision to change, he did. Um, so I think there was some, I wouldn't say animosity, but certainly some tension about Tua getting in the game and feeling he was the better quarterback throughout that season. But transferring to USC was not exactly probably the smartest move he could make because uh, uh, Tua's a nice quarterback, but JT Daniels is a phenomenal quarterback who's going to win that starting job. So um, I don't think if Tua went to USC, he would be in any better of a position to earn the starting job than he would be if he's just stayed at Alabama. But I want to talk to you about this because it's interesting. Tua's brother is now committed to Alabama. Does that force the hand of Nick Saban to play Tua? I don't think anything forces the hand of Nick Saban to do anything. Um, yeah. I think he's, you know, again, this is all guesswork. I don't know. Nick Saban doesn't talk to me. What, what, what's he going to talk to me about? He's <laughs> won national championships. He doesn't need to talk to some clown who put stars on kids but I, I think um, the Jalen Hurts father coming out and saying he would be the, the biggest free agent in college football history I think that ticks him off a little bit um, yeah but he's got to play it smart I mean Tua was injured for much of the spring 
you know, right. and, and he doesn't want to force anybody out. Uh, I think he's going to play to a – I think that's going to be his quarterback. And if Jalen Hurts decides to leave, then Jalen Hurts decides to leave. Um, and maybe the brother plays into that a little bit because they are excited about the brother. I'm excited about the brother. I, I like the brother's film better than Tua's film. Uh, yeah. And I think he can be better than him. So, you know, but I don't think anything anything forces Nick Saban. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Nick Saban told both of them to transfer, and we'll be just right. fine. You know, Mac Jones will take over. Yeah, and they'll win eleven games and go to the national championship game. You know, that's just the way right. it is. All they need is a game manager and someone who doesn't turn the ball over. Um, so, speaking of Saban, let's get into the UCF thing because I got into it last week. This whole UCF fictional national title garbage um yes to me is just garbage you know it's 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 fun they can have fun with it you played the aac schedule uh i'd love to see you make a case for us ucf being the national championship Gorney. i would love it no i'm not going to make that uh, case see i think uh, our absolutely. podcast would be better if we disagreed more uh um, yeah so i think you're just agreeing with me way too much so Let's try that again. Gorney, come up with numerous reasons why UCF should be the national champion. There's absolutely no reason why UCF should be the national champion. It's a complete joke. It makes them look even worse because their undefeated season was like, you know, a Cinderella story and they should be proud of it and all that kind of stuff. But if they had to play Oklahoma or Georgia or Alabama back-to-back weeks in the college football playoff, it it would be... uh, a complete clobbering. And I'm saying that knowing that they beat Auburn in the bowl game. I don't care about that. Auburn goes into that game not caring in a no-lose situation or in a no-win situation. If they win the game, they were supposed to blow out UCF. If they lose the game, uh, you know, it was an embarrassing thing. Uh, it makes UCF look bad, I think. It makes them look like a low, you know, a low-level program trying to gain any sense of relevance in college football. It might help in recruiting a little bit. But I think UCF will come back to earth. And if they had to play an SEC schedule or a Big Ten schedule, um, you know, they would be a middling team. I can offer a differing opinion if you want. You want some? Who asked the you? other side? Sure, <laughs> go ahead. You're like, this isn't the Godfather and Gorney and Barry podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead I'm with just your say, stupid opinion. <clears throat> I think it's hilarious. I think that UCF it does, is not taking themselves seriously you, i think you think it's they're all, trolling. trolling yeah absolutely and, and i think it, it is hilarious to see the backlash from from alabama fans because it's it's they, i think ucf knows they would get hammered against playing against any of the top sec teams or anybody else you know having the schedule that alabama had so anyways that's i don't i don't think they know that i don't think i think they really think that they would be everybody and and i i, I don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with them thinking they can beat everybody but you didn't earn a national championship. You went undefeated and you beat Auburn. You know, that doesn't mean you won a national championship. There's this thing called a playoff. Um, it's it's set up to deem who is the national champion, and and you didn't win it. I think the biggest thing here is a lot of people think it makes Saban look petty because he's beefing down. Apparently, that's a term. Did you guys know that term? Be- beefing down. Yeah, beef down. Have you heard that term? No, I haven't heard that. So beefing down is when you're actually arguing with somebody that's below you that you shouldn't have to beef with and argue with. Oh, okay. So like someone who's got seven followers on Twitter trolls me and I respond, I'm beefing down. You're beefing down. Yeah, it's apparently a a term that a lot of people use. 
Um, now I've heard with you. I've heard with you scarfing down, but that must be something else. Down. <laughs> scarfing down beef. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, but uh, no, I think I think uh, you know a lot of people think Saban's petty for even mentioning it and and getting letting it get under his skin. But to me, I think it's just the way he's built and the fact that he can't let people get away with this crap, you know, in his own mind. So I think. Uh, obviously UCF had a great season, but here's the other thing too. If you're a national championship caliber program, does your coach leave for Nebraska? Right. I mean, uh, very good point. And much like Jeff Bezos at Amazon ignored Trump when he was going after Amazon. And that made Trump even more upset about the whole situation. Nick Saban should ignore this as just nothing for him to deal with. Which one of those guys would be beefing down, though? You got the president of the United States and the richest man in the in the world. Jeff Bezos would be beefing down to Trump. Wow, the most powerful man yeah, in the I, world is getting beefed down well, to by the richest man in the world. A lot of people would say Jeff Bezos was the most powerful man in the world because if Amazon packages stopped in this country, I think people would care much more than Donald Trump. Uh, Doing whatever he does. Are they still? I basis. still haven't seen a drone. Do they really do that, or is that like a, a myth? <clears throat> no, they're they're testing them out. They, you know, it's it's obviously going to be a, a big problem with planes and all that kind of stuff. And only things under five pounds could fly. And I guess like eighty six percent of Amazon products are under ten pounds. Deliveries are under ten pounds, if you can believe that. So. Um, I, I think it's going to happen at some point, but it's still in kind of the testing stages. All right. I, I thought it was happening. I thought it was... And it's not going to happen for someone like you who lives in a rural area. You have to live in the city because it, they're going to fly it from a factory to someone in a, in a, in a suburban or urban area. So huh. they're not going to fly all the way out to you. That's stupid. Well, forget yeah. it then. <laughs> I won't order from them anymore. All right. Yeah, right. Big commitments. <clears throat> Penn State's going to get, it looks like they're going to get a couple uh, more four stars today by the time this thing comes out, or tonight. Um, and then, of course, they got Devin Ford last week. Oregon uh, out west doing doing work, getting uh, Sean Dalla Dalla Bill and, and uh, Cordell. And then Tennessee yep. is also a hot program. Um, you know, both, I mean, all, all three of these teams, I think did very well in the past week. I think Devin Ford is obviously the biggest prize, but Lakia Henry, the, the Juco middle linebacker for Tennessee is a beast. Ramel Caton, uh, the wide receiver is a big kid who can get downfield. Um, I think that's an important commitment. Tyler Rudolph is supposed to commit to Penn State. Marquise Wilson, uh, did commit from Penn State. To Penn State, both from the great state of Connecticut. Brandon Smith is the linebacker <laughs> slash defensive end that I mentioned is going to commit, and then Oregon with Cordell and uh, and Sean Dollars. So you know these programs are getting hot at the right time, and uh, you know I think I think I'm most impressed by Cristobal. I think. Yeah, I mean he's done a phenomenal job. Um... And, and he's done a phenomenal job in Southern California, which he knows how to do. And I was at the Dollars Cradell commitment ceremony, as we like to call them, uh, last night. And all they talked about was how Mario Cristobal is pushing what he did at Alabama, what he knew, what he learned at Alabama, and he's bringing it out to Oregon. And, and kids are buying in big time. I mean, to get Mace Funa from Modern Day, 
who's a, a Mormon kid who was probably going to go to BYU or stay at USC with all of his friends, uh, is very impressive. Um, Patrick Herbert is obviously a very talented tight end who's Justin Herbert's brother, so that there were connections there. But Dollars and Cradell. Cradell was a kid who was really looking at Washington and Florida State. Uh, Dollars had always liked Oregon a lot, um, and they decided to go together. So to go to modern day and get four kids um, from arguably the best high school program in the country out of USC's backyard and, uh, and a program that's basically considered a feeder program for USC, um, very, very impressive. And this is a guy that was either primary or secondary recruiter on Minka Fitzpatrick, Calvin Ridley, and uh, Deron Payne, who were all yeah. first-rounders, all three and duns at Alabama. Uh, he was our recruiter of the year at one point. I mean, he can certainly get the job done. And it's not an easy place to recruit to, despite all the bells and whistles that they have and the uniforms and uh, 25 different helmet combinations or a 1,000 different <laughs> uniform combinations. Because of the geography of it all, it's not easy. So that impresses me. James Franklin always impresses me, the way he recruits. Um, not a big surprise here that they're starting to load up. Uh, I think, you know, Michigan is is going to have to step up their game a little bit here because right now I've got Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan in my power three uh, in the Big Ten when it comes to current recruiting momentum. Michigan's ranked ahead of both of them right now for 2019, but based on last year finishing, I think, 23rd, these two programs both finished in the top six. Um, they're in better shape. And then Tennessee, Pruitt's interesting because Jeremy Pruitt is sort of telling the in-state kids, you got to earn your offers. I know I offered you at Alabama, but you got to come to camp and earn your offers. Um, but he's doing a great job out of state uh, with a lot of these commitments and uh you know getting a lot of kids that look like alabama football players um so i think that's going to be extremely important now again they're 0 and 8 uh in the sec they're coming off a horrendous year it's a rebuilding project herbie smart did it in you know essentially two years a lot of people are going to expect miracles i don't see miracles but i do see um much better uh, at least talent evaluation. Now, if they can develop them, that's the big key because Butch Jones will out-recruit Jeremy Pruitt. He finished fifth, fifth, and I think 15th in his first three years. There's no way Pruitt's going to finish close to that in, in his first three years. But I think he can develop the players better and uh, have a better on-field product. Yeah, it seems like everyone's trying to figure out a way how to beat Alabama. Do you do the complete opposite of them, like Ole Miss tried for a little while, where you chuck it down the field and you spread them out and you try to outspeed them to the edge and all those kinds of things? Or do you build a model like Georgia and now what looks like Tennessee is trying to do where you try to muscle them a little bit and you try to be just as powerful and go right at them? So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Tennessee is trying to build a model much like Georgia did and Alabama obviously created uh, under Nick Saban. It's going to be tough, though, because Alabama gets – a number one of those players and Georgia gets a number two and Tennessee's going to get a number three. So we'll see if they have any shot at doing this. Um, you know, Georgia and Florida are going to be pretty good in the SEC East. I think South Carolina is a team that don't, people don't talk as much about as a team that can be up and coming. So, you know, where does Tennessee even fit it in its own division, let alone having to go against Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and the others in the West. So, 
I still see this even two or three years down the road, a team that's second, third, fourth in the in the SEC East. Georgia, I think, is far and above uh, the best team in the SEC East. And then Florida with Dan Mullen, I think, is going to do really good things. We'll see. It's not exactly a strong com- uh, division. You know, Georgia yeah. obviously going to the national championship game, and they're, they're a powerhouse, but no one else is. You know, Florida obviously has struggled offensively uh, since – guy named Urban Meyer was there. So there, there's an opening. And South Carolina is a good program. Uh, you know, Missouri can score points. So there's teams in there, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, it really is going to come down to how good a head coach Pruitt is when it comes to uh, developing football players. We know he's done it on the defensive side of the ball at numerous stops, but can he be a great head coach? Because he's going to have to be a great head coach for Tennessee to win the uh, – the SEC East. So let's get to Joe Burrow to LSU. Do you care? Well, you should be super mad at him for leaving Ohio State. I don't care about grad transfers. He's graduated. <laughs> he can go. Be gone with you. That doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. You know, the, the Malik Zaires of the world and the Joe Burrows of the world. You, you got your degree. You can You can leave. Go away. Um, I, I, I don't know if it fixes the offense. I don't know what's going on. They have a new offensive coordinator this year. The one that was hyped to come in there and change everything around was gone very quickly. That has to be concerning. Um, we'll see. They, they certainly have the, the talent on the offensive line, and they're losing some skill players, but they always seem to reload at those positions, even if quarterback can never be figured out. So, um you know, Joe Burrow wasn't good enough to start at Ohio State, and LSU should probably be on Ohio State's level every year. Um, and uh, we'll see. I'm, you know, I, I think Joe Burrow was probably third string at Ohio State. So if LSU is happy getting the third string Ohio State quarterback, then best of luck to them. 39 attempts Joe Burrow has, and he is now the leader in the clubhouse with the most attempts uh, in this <laughs> quarterback battle. Miles Brandon has 24. So needless to say, the quarterback position is wide open. The competition's wide open. I, I don't really like any of these guys. I like Miles Brandon, actually. That's wrong. I like Miles Brandon. But Justin McMillian yeah. and, and Lowell Narcisse. And, Narcisse, yeah, that uh, doesn't Joe do Burrow. much for me. None of those guys do much for me. So I'm going to say that Miles Brandon wins it. If Joe Burrow is their guy, um, it's another Big Ten transfer who's going to just not do that well there. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, something did come up. Uh, who was asked? Willie Taggart, I think, was asked about paying players. I think Jim Harbaugh was asked as well in the last week. And uh, mm-hmm. the Olympic model came up, which is a model that I sort of agree with. The Olympic model being if you're a good enough brand name guy that can get sponsorships, um, you know, then you should be able to accept those sponsorship, that sponsorship money, uh, that's going to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. Um, you know, your your long snapper is not going to make any money, but your star, you know, pass rushing defensive end or or certainly your quarterback is going to make some cash. But I'm fine with that um, if they decided to put that model in there. The one thing I would say, I think they should also uh, get paid for their autographs. Todd Gurley got suspended uh, for quite a bit of time i believe for signing autographs and uh 
I think that's garbage. If you're going to go to the Olympic model, let them sign autographs, let them make money at autograph signing. Um, you know, and if they're going to sell the jerseys of you know particular players with their name or with their number on it, obviously the number is much more common. Uh, let them get money from that as well because they're just making so much money off of these guys. But I think that's better than paying everybody. Uh, well, I this mean, this is where you're sure. supposed to disagree with me for ratings purposes. Oh, I, I, I definitely disagree with you. Uh, players should be paid their their worth, and their worth is determined by the school that's willing to pay them the most amount of money. <laughs> I mean, it's simple. It's simple. I work for a company, and my and I'm paid my worth. If I don't like it, I could go find another job at another company. Why, if because you're 19 or 21 years old? You have no value. You're basically saying to these kids that they have no value or that the starting quarterback at Alabama has the same value as the starting volleyball player, women's volleyball player at Alabama. That's insane. There's absolutely no truth to it. Players should be paid their worth. Their worth in dollars. Coaches are paid their worth. Trainers are paid their worth. Strength coaches. Presidents of universities. The professors of the universities, the people who give out hot dogs at the stadiums, but the players, everyone who's there to see them, don't get anything for it. How do you determine who gets paid what? You determine it the same way you determine it in any industry. This is an industry just like any other industry. So if if Tua Tagovailoa or whatever his name is thinks he could get paid more at USC than at Alabama, he should be able to leave Alabama and go play at USC for his value. God, that's crazy. Just like... Unless you sign a contract. You can sign contracts if you want to. I, I'm under contract. If another company was going to give me a million dollars to work there, I couldn't leave. So you, want, after my you, contract want, you want college ends, football players to sign contracts? Sure. If, if, they're, if, they, want, if they want a million dollars a year. What, is, what was Tim Tebow's value to Florida? Uh, was Tim Tebow's value to Florida more than Urban Meyer's? Because Urban Meyer was making millions of dollars a year and Tim Tebow made zero dollars a year. Now, yeah, how is that possibly fair? I, I, now, I j- don't know, but what if, you know, if that's amateur status, that's life. No, that's the life we created. That's the falsehood we created so the NCAA doesn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> that's the only reason. Um, mm. Of course, the long snapper shouldn't make more money, just like the, the person you know handing out popcorn at the stadium shouldn't make more money than Nick Saban. But there, everyone has a value, and people should be paid that value. They should be paid. I, absolutely, I agree with you. They should be paid for uh, their autographs, and their there's you know when they're on EA Sports, the the sports games, they should be paid for that. And on top of that, they should be paid a salary, just like anybody else. If you're if you're 19 years old and you're a professional cellist or a musician or a, or an actor in movies, you get paid for that. No one's saying you have amateur status, but if you play sports, you don't get paid. So a lot of other sports are going to fold. Based on your model, because the no, the, 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 that's the money that goes into those other sports, those non-revenue sports. No, the school still has millions upon millions of dollars everywhere spread out, and if the the school will need to figure out ways to still fund those sports while paying football players what they determined to have value. If you're talking, you know, million dollar contracts here, then You're you're talking Nick Saban makes 10 million dollars a year. If he made 8 million dollars a year, you could pay every player on the football team triple digits. And it would be no problem at all. I don't think 
financially you're you're on target there. I really don't. I think that without are you saying are you saying college football players aren't paid because there's not enough money to pay them? No, I I think you have to give up something to pay them. And I think a lot of that comes out of the money that you put in for non-revenue sports. I really do. It's very expensive to have a non-revenue sport at your college. It is. There's travel. There's just so much money that you have to put into equipment and other things. And really, let's put it this way. There's only two revenue sports, essentially, at right. every school, which is football and basketball. So right. for programs that are raking in money, like Texas or Alabama, you know, maybe they can stay afloat with all their other sports but for some programs that aren't raking in the same amount of money uh i just think you'd lose some you'd lose some uh non-revenue sports there and people would be upset about that i wouldn't i don't care about non-revenue sports i don't care about you know the rugby team don't care but people do and i think that's one of the reasons why people say you can't pay these guys uh, because you would, I know for a fact that that's one of the things that the, you know, the, the higher ups cling to and say, if you start paying players, especially if you pay them excessive amounts of money, then you're saying goodbye to all of our other sports because we're not going to be able to afford to, you know, feel the tennis team. Uh, I don't care, but I know that's one of the excuses they make. I think it's an excuse and I think it's a myth. There's millions and millions upon millions of dollars flowing through these universities every single year. Where does that money go? And I'm not saying that every football player on the team needs to make millions of dollars. I'm saying that players should be able to determine the value that they see fit. If someone if someone is being recruited and someone believes that they're worth a million dollars and Georgia is willing to pay them a million dollars and Clemson isn't, then Pay them a million dollars. Every bi- college is a business. Every business is run a certain way. If if they have the money, they can pay it. If they don't have the money, they can't pay it, and they get the certain level of player. Whether they're paid or not, the good players are going to Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. They're not going to go to Wyoming and San Diego State. So, no, not to offend you, Dave, but uh, it wouldn't really change. The richer stay richer anyway. They get the they get the good players anyway. It wouldn't matter. But now players would be able to earn a living. In in this in the in in what they chose to be their profession, but under the Olympic model, the money comes from a third party. It comes. That's from, fine too. From if Hardy's third parties, Carl's Jr. or Taco Bell or wh- whoever wants to pay these guys, and it doesn't come from the money that supports uh, interscholastic athletics. So I would certainly not be against that either. That would be very tricky, though, because are you talking about high school seniors? No, you're talking Being about college paid, but... kids. Just, okay. They have, you know, th- those that are college, uh, you know, student athletes that have signed, you know. I'm, I'm, cer- I'm certainly fine with that. It's, a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I just don't understand why Haley Joel Osment can make $20 million for the six cents as a 14-year-old, but an 18-year-old football player can't make a dime because he's an amateur. That was a weird reference. Uh, he popped into my mind for some reason. Well, it was know. on this weekend. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. I was watching the Royal Wedding. Oh, I kind of watched a little bit of it. Royal Wedding 
was hilarious to me. Because <laughs> didn't her family, like, show up, but only the mother was invited? You know, you don't really follow this stuff so closely, do you? No, I know nothing about the royal wedding. I'm all man. I'm a man. <laughs> I don't know nothing about no royal wedding, but I did hear on Howard Stern that her, her family is a disaster. Her father was working with the paparazzi, and the royals don't like any of her family except for the mother, and they weren't invited, and they were doing all the radio circuit. They flew to England just so they could be on television and radio. Uh, is that true? All of that? All I know is that the father wasn't invited because I guess he was. He admitted to selling pictures to the paparazzi or have or having the paparazzi pay him to take the pictures, and it it was below the royal the house of Windsor. If you, if you catch my drift, it was a beef down, um, and then um, there, that was a beef down, yeah, yeah. But then they said he was sick. That's how they spun it, you know. But yeah, but, then he had a heart attack. But or he something apparently went over there anyways. Because he wanted to do all true. the. That's what I heard. And he went over there anyways and did all the TV interviews and all the other stuff. It sounds like her family is a disaster and an absolute nightmare. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, it, I'll tell you this Prince Harry's going bald, which yeah. is a shame. Yeah. Because Prince William is only 34 or 35 years old and he's already bald. Life happens. And now Prince Harry is sixth in line. For the throne, because you know, I thought it went. I thought it went the Queen, to Prince Charles, to Prince William, to Prince Harry. But since William had kids, it, all of his kids would become the king or queen yeah. before Harry. So I, Harry's I, screwed. He's he's out. He's never had a chance. He's uh, no. He has. He's no the he's the Hunter Johnson of the Royals. He's uh, never <laughs> he had to leave the royal family. He needs to transfer <laughs> because he never had a chance at the starting job. <laughs> so. I don't know. I didn't watch any of it. I saw the highlights of it and all this other stuff, and uh, but it looked pretty boring to me, so I couldn't care less. And somebody put something up here about the great late Billy Cannon dying at 80 in LSU underachievement. He's the only Heisman Trophy winner at LSU. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Only Heisman Trophy winner ever at LSU, which is hard to believe. I mean, just running backs alone, we're talking... Darius Geis, Leonard Fournette, Kevin Falk, Joseph Adai, Jeremy Hill, Ridley, I mean, Spencer Ware, Kenny Hilliard. I mean, that alone, running backs alone, you would think someone else would have won a Heisman. Not, not, not even mentioning, and I know defensive guys never win it, but they've had some high-end defensive guys come through there and never even had a chance. It's pretty hard to win a Heisman, bro. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of guys that put up ridiculous stats. I mean, we're talking ridiculous stats, especially at the running back position that never had a chance, you know? you got to be at the right place at the right time on the right team uh, to win it as a running back. It's harder now than it used to be. Um, they, they haven't had a quarterback that's any good in 100 years. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I guess it is an underachievement, but uh, it's not like... I don't know. How many does Bama have? Uh, they had Mark Ingram in 09. They don't have a ton. Derek, Derek Henry in 2015. So in the last seven, eight years, they've had more than LSU has ever had. Yeah, but before that, I don't think they had a lot. Well, I'm, I'm looking down the list right now. I think you'd be surprised at some programs that don't produce a lot of Heisman Trophy winners. Ohio State and Oklahoma and USC seem to be dominating this. Yeah, USC has a billion. Yeah. 
I guess Ohio State does too. I don't know. Whatever. LSU is an underachiever. But <laughs> they won a national championship in the last 20 years, and I guess that's all that matters. I guess yeah, it's 20 years. You look back at, what, 2000 and, was it, 1998 well, is 20 years? So 98. So anybody who's won a national championship in the last 20 years, I think it's 15 years. I can't say 20. It's, isn't Tennessee and Nebraska and Michigan all in there in the last 20 years? Uh, let me look. Probably not Michigan. I think they were. No, not guys. Michigan, right? And I don't think I'm not sure if Notre Dame's right in there or not. Twenty years is probably uh, too far. See. That goes back too far. Last ten years. Yeah, because the last t- last ten years has been dominated by the SEC. Okay, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Alabama, LSU, Alabama. So ten years, LSU. Yeah, 2011, or uh, 2000, uh, whenever Saban was there, 2007, oh no, Les Miles in 2007. That's 11 years. Oh my god, that is 11 years. Could be be 10 seasons, so. (laughs) 10 seasons. Florida, Texas, USC, LSU. Again. Yeah, they won in 2003 with Saban and then 2007 with Les Miles, right? Right. Tennessee was 98. So that would be 20 years, so we can't go 20 years because that's just so far. No. Nebraska won one, what, right after them? 95 and 94. Okay, so right before them. And then Michigan. Yeah, that's the year Penn State got screwed, 94. Michigan. Um, Let me see. Uh. 97 with Lloyd Carr. Okay, so that's right over 20 years. And then Notre Dame. Uh, jeez. Uh, eighty-eight with Lou Holtz. All right, so you're ten years. You're relevant. That's it. Yeah, we have just yeah, determined not, that. Th- not thirty. No. Do you care that Kansas? So it's been th- Kansas fired their athletic director. No, I don't care. It's been thirty years since Notre Dame won a national championship. Wow. Do you think LeBron's gonna win it? Like win the East. Uh, hmm. I I wouldn't bet against them, but they're not going to win the West. I mean, no, Houston, I know Golden State are, are by that. far the best two teams. I'm just saying, are they getting out of the East? They're down two one. Game four is tonight. Make your pick. I would say no, they're not because Brad Stevens is a better coach, and the Cavs seem to half-ass it too much for for my liking. So I'm going to say I'll take the Celtics, which will make LeBron leave Cleveland. And he'll, as you would say, he'd be then a double, a triple quitter. Mm, it's different in the pros, man. If you, <laughs> if you become a free agent, you can leave. That's fine. Yeah. It's contracts and stuff. So I don't have a problem with them leaving. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to um, beat the Celtics. And then I think they're going to lose, in the obviously, in the NBA championship. But... The, the real question is who wins the West? Is it going to be Golden State or yeah, does Houston Yeah, it's going to be Golden State. I mean, Houston's... Yeah. Come on, please. Yeah. They look, yeah. they look awful. They got beat by, what, 41 points the other night? Last yeah. night? Well, you lose by one or 41, so you, you know, uh, if you're going to lose, you get one. 41's up. a little different. 41 takes your confidence and just... And this whole Chris Paul is one of the greatest all-time point guard crap 
What is with that? Yeah, let's not get crazy. It's all yeah, these millennials. They're not even millennials anymore. What's the generation younger than millennials? Gen X. Well, they're they're a problem. Those is that people. us? Uh, I think yeah. Uh, well, might, well, they have that no. Might be us. No, well, you're younger. The than problem, them. the problem with millennials or like fringe millennials is that they have no sense of any historical perspective. And they have the sounding board to make themselves sound really stupid. Chris it's Paul. a double. One of, I know. The, one of the greatest bullies. And then someone said the Golden State Warriors uh, are the greatest team ever. Greatest team ever. This year's Golden State Warriors? They said this year's Golden State Warriors or last year's. Would you Take your pick. It's the same team. Greatest team ever. And I'm like, wow. Well, Ever? That's pretty impressive. Michael Jordan well, you have to think, would, like, would beat these Warriors. Him and see, Pippen. I think you're looking... Well, yeah, but, but it was him and Pippen. Do you think John Paxson could guard Pax. Clay Thompson? Mm. Do you think freaking Luke Longley could handle Draymond Green? It's a different at- level of athleticism. Who would guard Kevin Durant? Freaking Bill Cartwright? Scottie Pippen would. Oh, and please. Eat him up. so killed. Scottie Pippen's no one way. of the best no defensive way. forwards in the history of the NBA. Kevin Durant is a 6'11 point center. Who, the problem the problem is with these, these comparisons, and everybody's been talking about Jordan against LeBron and all this kind of stuff, is that it's a it's a completely different league. Like in the 80s when the Knicks were playing, they smashed people around. Detroit had the bad boys. I mean, it was awesome. People could be physical and, and be tough and all that kind of stuff. You touch a guy now, you know, you're getting a technical foul. It's a completely different league, but I but the athleticism of today's game. I mean, what Michael Jordan did, like ten guys in the league could do now from an athleticism perspective. Hey, did you see DeAndre Ayton was compared to Will Chamberlain by Jay Billis? <laughs> did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's physically one of the most gifted prospects ever in the history of physically gifted prospects. Oh, I thought like. 10,000 women in bed. No, no, no. Will Chamberlain, just like as a player. My guy is Don. As as a player or as like a player? As a player. No, like as a player, like as a basketball player. My guy is Donkey. That that guy, 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 he's going to be awesome. But that's the guy that doesn't want to come play, I heard. He doesn't want to play for the Sacramento Kings. (laughs) Nobody wants to play for the Sacramento (laughs) Kings. Can you play him? <laughs> He'll play for the Phoenix Suns. His coach is there. Ugh, Guy's yeah. going to be the next Tony, Tony Kukoc. He's awesome. Speaking of which, another great ex-Bull who could another possibly guard Kevin Durant, even though he wasn't a great defender. He's long. I don't know. Yeah, but he's long. At, he was like long at 6'7 or whatever he was. Like Durant is Durant's not 6'11. 6'11 and long. He's not 6'11. Well, he's 6'10 then. Why does everybody say he's 6'11? Because he's super tall and has the wingspan know. of a pterodactyl. Anybody still listening to this must be ready to kill themselves. I think we can wrap it up. I'm looking up Kevin Durant right now. 6'9", 240, 6'11". My... See, this is the well, problem. Well, with, sho- with shoes this, on, This he's is 6'11". the problem with short people trying to evaluate. Short people can't evaluate. Tall people can't evaluate either. You just can't. There's just you got to be six foot like me. Then you can tell what six five is, and you can tell what five nine is. When you're five foot three, like you, six nine looks like six eleven because it gets so tall. I'm like three inches shorter than you. It's not exactly like I'm. Uh, no, you're, you know, you're pretty short, bro. 
Okay. Yeah, I must be six three then. If you're if you're three inches shorter than me. I'm putting lifts in my shoes for the five star challenge. You do that. You'll probably fall down an escalator and be limping around anyways. So, ain't gonna matter. <laughs> Forty-eight solid minutes of great podcasts here. We're never gonna get any more listeners because we agree on too much stuff. We don't fight. No. I've been watching first take. They argue about LeBron every morning, over and over again. It's the same argument. The so, problem is we're not marketed the right way. It's not the level of discourse on this podcast. Well, we got to get on the message boards, but then you get called every name in the book, and nobody wants to yeah, talk to you. Yeah, it's just not worth it. It's really not because it just kind of it can it can take it put a little damper on your day. <laughs> you go yeah. on there, you know, and you're just greeted with such vile hatred. It's not worth the extra thirty listens. So 